Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. How can we get more people involved and making quality contributions in short-term missions? We talk about that and so much more in today's episode of the Engaging Missions Show. This is episode 155 with Autumn Kerr of Visiting Orphans. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show with Brian Ensminger. We are bringing missions home. Each week, we hear from missionaries, ministry leaders, disciple makers, and church planters as they share about God's work in their lives and ministries. Like us, they are ordinary people who serve an extraordinary God. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your host, Brian Ensminger. All right, let's get started. Today, I am really excited to have Autumn Kerr with me. She's with Visiting Orphans, and frankly, she's been on the show before. It's been way too long. It was like almost two and a half years ago now, back in April of 2014, episode number three. So she's been with us for a long time, and we've got her back on the show. Now, for her original interview, you can find that at engagingmissions.com slash Autumn Kerr. We're not going to try and duplicate that. We're going to talk a little bit more about what's been going on in her life since then, and a little bit more of the exciting things that are going on with Visiting Orphans. Now, for you as the listener, this interview, this conversation plays right into my heart for you because one of the things I want to do is provide more ways for you to be involved in God's global mission, more ways to connect and to care, to give and to go. And this is one of those opportunities. So we're going to talk about what's going on with Visiting Orphans and what's going on with Autumn. With that, Autumn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So I didn't really do you much justice with that introduction. I didn't talk about family or what's what's going on or anything like that. So could you maybe share a little bit about who you are and what Visiting Orphans is? Absolutely. Well, I am a single adoptive mom who has a son who is seven from Ethiopia. I met him actually on a Visiting Orphans trip in 2011. I was already on staff at Visiting Orphans at the time as a trip coordinator, and it's been, gosh, about three and a half years, almost four years now that I've been the executive director, and Visiting Orphans is a mission-sending organization. We partner with ministries around the world that are doing amazing work to help orphans, but also help prevent kids from becoming orphans, so a lot of our partners nowadays are ministries that are doing community work. They're doing work with single moms, all kinds of different things beyond just visiting orphanages. We still do that in a few of the countries that we go to, but a lot of the partners we have now are more in the orphan prevention or, you know, just helping families stay together um, model. Well, that's really cool. I, I think, you know, since we've talked, a lot of that has changed because I wasn't aware of some of that. I know that you were doing some work with prevention, but I didn't realize that was such a big part of what you're doing now as far as trying to keep families together. What other things have changed in the last couple of years? 
Well, we all work remotely now, so that's more of a behind the scenes kind of thing. We, you know, it's, we already had some remote staff, a couple of trip coordinators that when they came on board were always remote staff. And so a couple years ago, we decided to try it out with everybody and just see how it went. And it works really well. I think because all our partners are in other countries anyway, and most of what we're doing is, you know, email back and forth and that sort of thing. It actually lends itself really well to working from home. And, you know, it saves a lot of money for yeah. a nonprofit. You know, it saves it saves a lot of money, more than I even realized it would. So it was a really good move for a lot of different reasons. It also, I, I personally get a lot more done when I'm working from home because I'm not distracted by phone calls or people popping in my office and that sort of thing. So that's one, you know, behind the scenes things that, that has changed. And as of about, I think about two and a half, three years ago, we made that move and it's been a good one. Uh, it also opens us up when we have job openings and things to be able to broaden our search and not be limited to one location. And I actually moved to Florida last year. And so that freed me up to be able to do that. And so that's been really neat because God's been kind of opening up some doors here with new connections and people that hadn't heard of our ministry and just kind of getting, getting visiting orphans plugged in in this area. I live in Sarasota, Florida. Wow. That's really cool. You, you know, you, you think sometimes about the opportunities that something like that can, can offer, you know, the freedom, the flexibility, basically being able to hire people from anywhere, being able to work with a wide variety of people, but it could also have some challenges. And I think specifically, there are probably some people listening who are thinking, you know, I could probably do something with remote people, but what about maintaining culture? What about unity? What about working together as a team? How have you addressed those kinds of things? That's a great question. We have staff meeting every week where we do, we use something called Zoom. It's kind of like Skype, but you can see multiple people and it's very affordable. I think we pay like $10 a month or something. And so we have a staff call every week where we can see each other. And then as things come up, we'll do, you know, additional calls on top of that one per week. We have a Facebook group that's like a private, you know, like a secret staff group where we can post things like pretty instantly. Of course, we're emailing back and forth a lot. We actually use Dropbox to share all our files and that's been really helpful because then we can all have a very organized system in place for how we save everything and keep everything organized. Even when we, you know, get time to do our audit, you know, we're able to share those folders with them and it's all already scanned in. And I mean, it's just, Hmm. it's really made it a lot easier. You don't have to have so much, you know, actual like files in your house or your office. You can do it all digitally now. So it's, it's really worked out well. We try to meet at least once a year in person with our whole staff. And then sometimes there's various events where we'll see each other in person too. But, our, you know, we've always had a board, a board of directors that's been all over the United States. So it's, it's always been that way. I think one time we had a board member that was in the same state as, as our home office was at the time. And so we're kind of used to doing it that way as far as those video calls. And so it's just the nature of what we do and how our partners are all spread across the world. It kind of just doesn't really feel that difficult for me as, as the executive director, we have a very small staff. So it's easy for me to kind of keep an eye on and manage what they're doing and what they're not doing. We also have several staff that have been with us like five years. So they, they know their jobs well. I think the probably the most challenging part is when someone new starts and you're trying to train them. Mm-hmm. But even that, we've we've been able to do a lot of screen sharing with Zoom where you can share your screen and be able to kind of show them what you're seeing and train them how to use so-and-so website or, you know, those kinds of things. So we've we've definitely worked through the kinks of that over the past couple of years and have it kind of a system down. 
Well, that's that's really cool. So, you know, you mentioned that there are some challenges with remote staff and as specifically with training. And I'm wondering, have there been also some larger challenges over the last couple of years that you've been working through either as, as the leader of the organization or just maybe even organizationally? Yeah, I think the the biggest challenge that we have as a mission sending organization is just the culture of travel right now. Mm. And it's it's kind of gotten increasingly worse. I mean, you've had things like Ebola or this year it's been Zika that really took a big hit on our Central and South America trips. I think people are just seeing on the map where we're going and thinking, well, I've heard Zika's there and I'm not going there. It's because we've noticed a huge decline in signups for those trips. And so those kinds of outside factors that, you know, there's a lot of negativity towards short-term mission trips. And, you know, part of it I feel is unfair, but part of it is is rightfully so because there there is a lot of harm that can be done on short-term trips if you don't do them the right way. But we're, we're committed to always learning and growing and really in-depth training for our leaders and trying to make sure that we are doing short-term missions in a healthy way. So some of the negativity that's kind of out there is, you know, it definitely hurts ministries like ours. And and ultimately the kids that we're trying to go and visit and love on in the ministries and the missionaries, you know, I mean, it's it's a huge support for them when a team comes and, you know, brings supplies that they need from here that, you know, prays with the kids and even the staff. I mean, a lot of what we do is also really pouring into the missionaries that we serve with. We have a new, actually, we have a new missionary care initiative that we're developing right now called Project GPS. And the G and the P and the S stand for gathering, packing, and supporting. And basically (laughs) what it's going to be is, you know, we have these missionaries all over the world. Most of them almost all of them were, are Americans, you know, they've moved over, they've left their lives here. Sometimes they just literally cannot get things over, over in the countries where they're serving that they really need from home. So sometimes it's actual needs. You know, a couple of weeks ago, a ministry asked if we could bring a charger cord for a computer because the other one fried, you know, just little things like that. But then there's also things like their kids' favorite snacks and, you know, things that they really are luxuries that, we take for granted here that we can just go buy our favorite snack at the store, but they just don't have access to that kind of stuff. And so if we can pour into them and have our teams bring in over stuff that is really going to bless them and let them know that we recognize that they're there every day, all year round doing this hard work and that we're just coming alongside them and really wanting to pour in them into them as missionaries. We, we feel that's really valuable and something not a lot of people are doing, honestly. Yeah, I'd like to key in on that for just a second because you mentioned, well, frankly, what's a little bit of one of my hot buttons, which is the whole, you shouldn't go on short-term missions. Now, I understand that there can be some challenges. And I think specifically, a lot of times it's difficult when somebody's looking and trying to go, okay, what can I do for God? Rather than taking a trip to find out what God's doing and asking if there's a way that they can be involved. And from what I've heard, because I know that I've talked to at least one, maybe a couple of people that you've been involved with over the years in foreign countries that visiting orphans does it right. So how do you approach that kind of preparation? What's, what do you do that stands out? Well, one thing we do, and you know, I don't know exactly what other organizations do, but I think one thing that does set us apart is that we have a pretty intensive leader training. We spent a lot of time a couple years back developing a pretty giant handbook that has tabs and sections and tells you how to do a conference call and tells you, you know, if you're a team leader, you know, what to do and what to not do 
trains on the principles of when helping hurts, talks mm-hmm. about, you know, building team unity and how you can avoid certain conflict and how you can navigate that. I mean, pretty much everything you can think of that might come up for a team leader on a trip, especially a lot of our trips are not like church groups. Some of them are, but most of them are people from all over the country that did not know each other before they signed up. They sign up to go, and now they're thrown together on a team. And so a big part of making sure that they are unified before they go is conference calls. And so we use Zoom and and conference call lines, depending on what the team leader chooses, to have at least five or more conference calls before a team leaves so that you're already getting to know your team. You're, you're doing a pre-trip study devotional type of thing. We have a couple different ones we've used in the past. Right now, a lot of our teams are using something called Before You Go, which is geared specifically towards short-term missions. And it really just helps really prepare them for being a, going with a servant heart and not having entitlement issues and not being expecting that it's about them and not wanting to be the hero. And, you know, we talk a lot about at our training about making sure that as a team leader, that your team is not going in there and trying to be Santa Claus or be the hero. If you're bringing supplies, you give those to the ministry partner or the missionaries and they distribute them because they're the ones that are there every day serving. They they know who needs those and who doesn't. We we don't go in acting like we know what's best. We're just coming alongside of them. And so, you know, just really laying the groundwork for that at our leader training. I I feel that since we revamped our leader training a couple years ago, we have seen that there's been a lot more fruit from our trips. And our ministry partners have, have said, you know, we can tell the difference between some of the other teams that come and visiting orphans teams just in the fact of the unity that they have and how prepared they are and how much they come with a servant heart and, you know, laying their own agendas down. And so I feel like that training, you know, was really key for that. And then the leaders take it from there. The team leaders take it from there and they're the ones that pour into their team members course, we're available for support, but we're not on every trip with them. So these team leaders are the key. Mm. Yeah, that's good. So we're just about ready to tie a bow on this first section. I'm just wondering, is there maybe a meaningful quote or a scripture, something that's been really foundational in your life over the last few years? Oh, there's so many. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even just one that I literally came across this morning and have hanging up on my wall and have first, we actually had it in our old office. And then I ended up with it and had it in my room. Now it's hanging above my desk here at home. And it's the Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. And that's from Exodus 14, 14. I think just as all these outside factors come into play as a ministry, and, you know, we've talked to other mission-sending organizations and just even non other nonprofits in general. And it's I, I feel like it's across the board. It's been a hard couple of years, and we've seen a trend in, people being afraid to go on trips, being afraid to really do anything because they're afraid they're going to do it the wrong way. You know, I, I recognize there's a lot of great information out there and even, even the whole one helping hurts things thing. It's, you know, it's helpful if you, if you don't just get so discouraged when you read it and think, well, I'm not going to do anything then because I'm too fearful that I'm going to mess up. I mean, I wrote a blog about this one day. It was called don't do nothing because it's it's that fear of not wanting to do it the wrong way. It causes people to not do anything. And so I feel like we have to be wise in what we do and don't do, but we don't need to be fearful. You know, God does not give us a spirit of fear and, you know, and, and we don't also need to really 
we need to make sure we're focused on doing things the right way and the integral way and a way that honors God and just following what he's calling us to do and then let him worry about the rest. And so that whole God will fight for you, you need only be still, you know, as a ministry, I see that as, you know, we can defend ourselves to the whole short-term mission things and negativity that's out there in a certain way. But at the end of the day, like, really, we just need to make sure we're doing it the right way and not worry about those outside factors and just trust that God will fight for us and he will make it known that we are dedicated to doing short-term missions in a healthy way. And, and I feel like he really has, you know, he, he's been faithful and we still have so much great fruit coming from our trips and just neat things happening with our partners. And so the stories that we get to hear are just encouraging enough to us that we, that we kind of, we're aware of the outside entities that are happening and causing people, less people to go. But at the same time, we're even more aware of all the fruit that's happening from people who do go and step out in faith and do that. Wow, that, that's really good stuff. With that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift a little bit more toward the, the ministry. I, I want to focus a little bit more on some of the stories that you referenced. Okay. Hey, this is Jim from Doing Ministry Well. If you're enjoying the Engaging Missions podcast like I do, we'd be honored if you check out our show too at doingministrywell.com. All right, we're back with Autumn Kerr. Frankly, she just kind of floored me with some of the stuff she shared. Being basically an outsider, it was really good to hear her perspective on doing short-term missions. This doesn't mean that people aren't ministers where they are, but going on a trip, a mission, it's something that we can do. Now, Autumn, you mentioned, and as we're getting into the second section, focusing more on the ministry, you mentioned that you've got some leadership training. Can you share a little bit more about what that is and what you're planning to do with that? Yeah, our leadership training is a two-day, pretty much a nine-to-five kind of training. And so we've traditionally always invited our Visiting Orphans team leaders to that. And so we have one coming up in March of next year in Nashville, Tennessee, and we are inviting our leaders who have not yet been trained, but we're also this year for the first time going to be opening it up to others from other ministries or churches that might have someone that's going to be leading teams for them, that they want to really train them on how to be a team leader, how to just think of pretty much everything you can think of that might happen on a mission trip that you might need to be prepared for. It's going to be a really practical conference. It'll probably be pretty small this first time, but we are opening it up to people outside of just visiting orphans. So I feel like that's a good opportunity to for some churches and, and other ministries to come and to learn from what we've what we've learned over the years that has worked well. And so we're, we're really excited about that possibility and, and getting that opened up to some other folks. That's good. And as I think about the landscape in the U.S. right now, it seems like just about everybody is teaching leadership stuff. I appreciate that you guys have boots on the ground, that you have experience with this kind of thing. If somebody is listening and they're going, hey, I might want to be involved, how can they know if they're the right person to connect with you and to go, okay, I'd like to be involved in that leadership training? I think pretty much if anybody is listening that they or someone from their church or their ministry or some anybody that's passionate about being not just going on missions, but being a team leader for a mission team, it's really for them. I mean, it's for anybody. I, I kind of envision that we'll probably get a lot of like youth pastors and, and people from various churches that 
will be the designated leader of certain trips for that church. You know, I kind of envision some of those might be the people that are really jumping on this, but really it's for anybody that wants to be a team leader and wants to know where to start and what what does this look like to be a team leader? I mean, you're you're dealing with a whole group of people. You're taking them, you know, traveling internationally. You got, you know, going through immigration. I mean, there's just logistically there's a lot to think about, but then there's also a lot to think about like spiritual preparation, unity, you know, communication. Communication is key. Even just letting your, knowing how to facilitate conference calls and make them productive. And so it's really going to be a very, it's not going to be like some trainings I've been to where it's on a certain subject, but it's real broad overview. It's going to be the literal nuts and bolts of how to lead a mission team, how to lead a conference call, how to, you know, some fun team building activities you can do with your team. I mean, it's going to be covering pretty much everything you can think of that would come up on a mission trip. So really it's just, and everybody's invited if they, if that's what they're wanting to do is lead teams. So they can email me at autumn.cur at visitingorphans.org. We are still kind of working out the details of cost and, and all the logistics of it. And it will be pretty much going live probably in the next couple of weeks. We're, we're already kind of touching base with some churches about it kind of proactively, but we'll start doing some Facebook stuff and, and announcing it on our, our social media pages when, when it's open for registration. So keep your eye on that. That's good. Now, you you also mentioned in the previous section that you've seen a shift over the last couple of years as you've started investing more in this leadership training and that you've seen different kinds of things happening. Do you have any stories from people who have been involved in either the leadership training or who have been on trips where God has done something amazing in or through them? There's a, there's a few that have just been really on my radar lately a couple stories that just keep coming up or we, I keep hearing other staff share about it or I see the person who it's relating to posting about it or, you know, so we're seeing, we get tagged in a lot of posts and mm-hmm. it's our 11th year anniversary this month. So we're, we're kind of nostalgic right now as well. <laughs> um, but I think one of my favorites regarding a team member and how, or, or even just the team as a whole, there was a team, I think it was two years ago that went to China And this team was made up of several people who have been year after year to the same orphanage. And it's a government-run social welfare institute in China. A lot of kids there with special needs, some adoptions happening. And there was one little girl that had Down syndrome. And the team just really loved her and loved on her. And at the end of the trip, after they'd been talking to the orphanage director throughout the week, they said, well, what about her? What about this little girl? And they said, well, she doesn't have a file. And and from what the team gathered, you know, the people in China, or at least at that orphanage, there was just a sort of a thought that people might not want to adopt a child that had Down syndrome, which is which we know is not true. But this team was like, well, how about this? If we find her a family, will you make her a file? And they said, oh, yes, yes, we will. So that team came home and collectively as a team, they started sharing this little girl's picture and talking about her and, you know, kind of just sharing the story. If we can find her a family, then then they'll make her a file and she can be adopted. And they did. They found her a family. And that mom who adopted this little girl actually just won our mission trip giveaway last year. (laughs) Uh, And she just went to China to go back to that same orphanage that her daughter came from. And so that little girl's been home for over a year. She has a family. She's thriving. I just, that's one of my favorite stories because it's, 
I mean, I adopted a child I met on a trip, and that does not always happen. And in a lot of countries, you're not, it's not even possible. But so we've had that happen, and that's always a great story, too. Of course, anytime a child has a family, it's always, that's mm-hmm. always a highlight for me, especially as an adoptive mom. But this was neat because it was the team as a whole advocated for this little girl. And so we're seeing that happen a lot with our China trips, especially. So that's just one story from how a, a team going affected um, a child and and a family. And then, you know, there's a lot of stories about how having teams come have really blessed and helped fund ministry partners of ours. We just brought on staff Shelly Owens as our marketing and communications and development director a couple months ago. And prior to coming on board with Visiting Orphans, her and her husband, Dan, founded a ministry that we partner with in Uganda called 60 Feet. And, you know, when she came on board, she, you know, we were talking about this missionary care program, which a lot of it was, you know, her idea. And she was just saying she, you know, they had lived in Uganda and for about 18 months. And so they had a lot of visiting orphans teams coming and they'd always be like, okay, we have, we need this from America. How are we going to get over here? Well, let's email visiting orphans. They have a team coming. And so they would always look to us for bringing stuff over that they needed because they really had truly no other way to get it there. When I was talking to her about just, you know, do you feel like visiting orphans teams coming really like helped bring in sponsors or donors or, you know, that kind of thing to your ministry. And she said, oh, absolutely. She said, visiting orphans, team members and their connections that they have and how they came home and advocated for 60 feet has brought in probably over $200,000 in the course of a couple years in support, not to mention several of their in-country staff are past team members of ours that now work for that ministry. So, Those are the kind of stories I think about as far as the fruit that happens, the cool connections that God makes. I mean, I've even seen in some of my trips that I've led, I'm still friends with these people, and I didn't know them at all before we traveled together. And so there's friendships being made. You know, there's just a lot of neat things that are happening, team members going and then coming home and advocating for these ministry partners going again, a lot of them adopting, some of them starting their own nonprofits or moving overseas. I mean, there's just countless, countless different things happening. And so, I mean, I definitely think you can't deny that short-term missions have positive impact when you see the stories and you hear the stories that we hear on staff. I mean, you just, you just really can't. So, you know, I guess that's all I have to say about that. It's just, it's just really neat. You know, as you were sharing that, one of the things that I was thinking about was at least for me, it seems like the people I connect with, the missionaries I connect with the most deeply or the most often or the ones that I care, the, they're the ones that I end up caring the most about. They're the ones that I end up talking the most about. And I'm just wondering how much more powerful would it be if for most of these, if I was able to meet them in person instead of only talking to them by Skype or instead of only sending a check, if I had actually seen them face to face and actually had shaken the hands of the people that they ministered to, do you find that these kinds of trips really transform people's lives in ways that that you might not be able to point a statistic to? Absolutely. I mean, I think that's why even even with all the negativity out there about short-term trips, that's why these ministries are still welcoming short-term teams because they know and they've seen over the years that a lot of support comes from people who will come and see with their own eyes and meet kids. I mean, it's kind of that, I think it's David Platt, that quote Mm -hmm. about orphans are easier to forget before you know their names and before you've looked into their eyes. And I'm sure I'm not quoting that 
exact, but I think a lot of people have heard that quote. It's true. I mean, when you go in person, you can't just go back to life as normal when you get home and pretend like that never happened. You've, once you've seen, you're responsible. And almost everybody, I mean, there are a few people that do just go back to life as normal. But I would say the grand majority of people come home deeply changed and having a much broader perspective of what God is doing around the world. Um, mm. We're not we're not any better or worse than anybody in the other country that we've been to. And I think a lot of things that surprise people is that when they go, especially for the first time, they're expecting to feel sad or sorry for the people or that they're going to be helping in some huge way. But really, they end up being blessed even more than they ever could have been a blessing to someone because they really saw that these people are joyful even without having all the things that we consider we need or we think we need in America. You know, they have the simplicity of really truly knowing what it means to trust God as their provider, as their father. You know, it teaches us a lot about who God is and what he's doing around the world. And so we have a lot to learn from each other. So it's a mutual thing. It's, it's about relationship with these ministries, with these kids, with these communities, these single moms, you know, the people that we're working with. It's really about building relationships and learning from one another. Wow, that's really good. With that, we are going to need to take one more quick break. And when we come back, we're going to shift our focus a little bit more toward the listener. Here's a taste of what's coming up on the Engaging Mission Show. So this is like something out of a movie. You know, you got two guys in clerical collars walking into a biker bar, you know. And so so here we go and we sit down and uh, get our burgers and our sodas. You know, we're just sitting there and this big old biker. I mean, you know, do they come in any other size? You know, <laughs> this big old biker comes walking up to me. And uh, he's got this little trifold brochure with him. He, he introduces himself, and then and I introduce myself, and he says, you know, have you ever heard of Baca? And I said, yes. I said, but, you know, can you refresh my memory? He says, well, it stands uh, for Bikers Against Child Abuse. And I said, oh, yeah, yep, that's that really does some good work. And he says, well, we've been working for two years to get a chapter started here, and we just got started. I'm the chapter president, and here's some information on it. I said, oh, I said, well, wonderful. I said, thanks, you know, for all you're doing to help children and their families. That's really a wonderful thing that you're doing. And so I said, I'm here to help this local church with their prayer ministry. By God's grace, I built an app uh, that helps churches do that. And uh, and so I asked the man, I said, uh, do you have a smartphone? And he said, yes. I said, well, get it out. So he, he reached in his pocket, he got his smartphone out. And um, and and so I told him the name of the app. He went right to, to I pray you. He went right to the app store, downloaded it. And then I showed him how anybody can put a prayer request in. And that's one of the features of the app is that you don't have to be a member of a church using the app. Anybody can download the app and anybody can put prayer requests in. And we've had people connect with churches through that process alone. So who just independently went and downloaded the app and did that. So anyhow, I was showing this biker uh, how to do this. So I said, these uh, families that you're serving, these children that you're serving, any of them that you would like a local church to pray for and help you care for, all you have to do is put the prayer requests in with this free app, and this church will do that. And I said, this man right here is the pastor, one of the pastors here at this church, and he will make sure that the church follows up with it. 
If you enjoyed that, you won't want to miss a single episode of the Engaging Mission Show. Subscribe in iTunes or Stitcher to have it delivered automatically. Visit engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That's engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. Well, we're back with Autumn Kerr. She's just, in my opinion, shared some great stuff. And as, as she was sharing this, there was one, th- one question in my mind that I think might be relevant to you as a listener. I think there's probably some more, but this one was kind of sticking up for me. So Autumn, you know, I, I hear and I read about sometimes people go on a trip and basically what they end up doing is pulling a missionary away from their ministry for a, a period of time that they end up, the missionary ends up playing host. If somebody's interested in going on a short-term trip and they want to be an asset rather than something that drags the missionary away, how can they be a good guest, be a good missionary person for that time? I think the biggest thing is leave your entitlements home. I mean, there's just, I think as Americans especially, we have this, this entitlement mentality of I'm entitled to a soft bed or a good night's sleep or hot water in the shower. And I mean, I've been surprised over the years and even myself. I mean, we all have, when we're out of our comfort zone, we, our yuckiness comes out. And so I think, you know, the the more spiritual preparation you can do before you go and the more you can start thinking about those things and really just, kind of laying them down before you even go, the better off you'll be because you'll just have a different attitude going in. You know, you'll be fine with using the same towel the whole week. You'll be fine with just cold showers. You know, there's just the comfort thing is is a big one that can really throw people off from what God has sent them to do there. And so we try to prepare our teams on these conference calls for those very things so that they can be thinking about that ahead of time so that they're catching themselves when they start to feel that entitlement mentality rise up and they start to get disgruntled or whatever it may be. And, you know, when you're in the right place spiritually and you're prepared for those things and you know that that's going to be a challenge for you, then I feel like you also know you have some things in mind of how you can overcome it. And really just go with a servant heart, not with your own agenda, not thinking, you know, this trip is about X, Y, Z, but you're just going and you're going to ask the ministry and the missionaries what they need. And if one day that means you're going to do the laundry and another day that means you're going to help bathe all the kids and another day that means you're going to go on an outing and help grocery shop. I mean, it's not, I think sometimes we, we have seen people get disappointed, like if, if it's not these kids aren't real orphans, Hmm. you know, but it's like a children's home and they've been removed from their families for abuse or neglect or whatever. And then they find out that they actually have families. Like, I'm like, really? Like (laughs) that they're just as much in need as a child who's lost their parents because they've been through trauma. And, you know, it's, we are working so much with ministries and, and that are helping kids that, that are not by definition an orphan, but there's still a huge need. And I feel like that James one twenty seven scripture still applies. I mean, mm-hmm. I think it says widows and orphans, but to, in my mind, that's the least of these, you know, it's, it's anybody that needs, that needs love and needs reminding that God is their father and that they're not forgotten. You know, it's, it's, in my mind, it's not just someone who's literally lost their parents. It's, it's a child whose single mom is struggling or, you know, whoever it may be, it may even be the bus driver on your trip. You know, we're really going with open hearts and open minds and eyes to see who would God 
want us to minister to on this trip? And and what kind of divine appointments is he setting up? Even just flight delays and stuff can really be a struggle for some people, but it's like, we'll look for God in those things too, because mm. you may get rerouted on a different flight and sit next to someone that becomes your lifelong best friend. I mean, you just don't know. So it's, it's kind of just preparing people um, so that when they go, they're really in that mindset. And I think that's the biggest key. Well, wow, that's good. You know, the, the, you shared a lot of stuff that really kind of hit me. The one that really stuck out to me is leave your entitlements at home. I know for me, I, I don't go on a lot of short-term trips right now just because I have, a fam- I have young kids, I have a family, that kind of thing. So I don't get to do a lot of that. But man, I see entitlement throughout my life. I, there's like a million things that I think I deserve. And it's just, for me as a, as a person, it's just hard to deal with that. Now, if somebody's listening right now and they're going, wow, visiting orphans sounds kind of cool, but I'm not sure if it's a good fit for me. What would you share with somebody in that situation? I mean, the biggest thing would be pray about it. I mean, is God calling you to go? Because, I mean, there's a lot you can do here in America, too. You can be serving in your own community. I don't think missions is really just about international missions, but, you know, I think it's just a matter of what is God calling you to in this season? And if he's calling you to go, then pray about who you would have you go with and which country and where you would go and what your mission would be. And if that's, you know, to work with the ministry partners that we have, we would, we would love to have you come. Wow. That that's good. So as we're getting close to the end of the, of our time together, I'm wondering, do you have maybe a resource or a book or a tool or something that you'd recommend for our listeners? There's a lot of great resources. I mean, I do think When Helping Hurts is a great book. Um, I think you have to go into it knowing that it could be discouraging, but take take it with, okay, what can I learn from this? And there there is some hope in it that missions can be done well. Um, so I think you have to go into it with that mindset. But we're also using a, um, a mission trip preparation uh, workbook um, called Before You Go. Um, you can find that on Amazon. And so we use that for a lot of our teams. And I feel like it's just real basic, practical stuff that helps prepare people just even to get in the mindset. It'll talk about how someone on your team might be annoying or and how do you deal with that? Or, you know, what do you do if you're frustrated because you it's there's no air conditioning? You know, I mean, it's just all those little things that can really bog us down and prevent us from having a good trip and prevent us from really seeing God move. Um, so it, it talks about a lot of those things. It also talks about a lot of spiritual preparation. Um, so those are a couple resources that I can, I can think of. Okay. Yeah. And for, for those of you who are listening, we will make sure and have all of the resources linked up in the show notes along with Autumn's email address. Uh, Cause she gave that out earlier. That'll be at engagingmissions.com slash Autumn Kerr and the number two, since this is the second time she's been on the show. So that's where you'll find all that. So if you're on your way to work or working out or something, don't worry about trying to text yourself right now. Just just stop by the show notes later and pick that up. Now, Autumn, as we bring this to a close, I'm wondering, do you have maybe one last piece of advice or guidance for us? I think the biggest thing that I would tell anybody about any kind of ministry right now is just don't do nothing. I mean, it's kind of what I was talking about earlier you know, don't be so afraid you're going to do something the wrong way that you don't do anything. Um, because I feel like that's where a lot of people are right now is they're just, they're hearing so much negativity about adoption and orphan care and, you know, just the different models out there and mission trips. And I mean, there's just so much, I mean, if you're on Facebook right now, you're seeing a lot of negativity about a lot of things, (laughs) but you know, I think you just have to be sort of drowning out those voices 
to just narrow in on the voice of God and what is God calling you to? And so my biggest encouragement to anybody listening to this is, you know, don't listen to the masses, you know, listen to that still small voice. You know, when I'm making a decision, I think I talked about this the last time I was on a couple of years ago is I go where the pieces, you know, I pray through it. I run through possible scenarios. I may sometimes maybe there's more than one open door in front of me and I'm like, which one do I go through? And at the end of the day, after I've prayed about it and sought God on it, I usually can tell if it's God by the peace that comes along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if God's calling you to go, don't let fear of being able to raise the money or fear of Zika or, you know, whatever it is, obviously be wise and be careful and, you know, make a, a good decision. But at the end of the day, you know, if God's calling you to go, then he must have something for you and he's going to use you and he's going to do amazing things. And so we're not called to have a spirit of fear. And so I would say step out in faith and trust him and he will, he will prove himself faithful. Wow. That's good stuff. Autumn, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Absolutely. Anytime. I'd like to say one more huge thank you to Autumn Kerr for taking the time to be with us and to you for joining us. The show notes, as I mentioned, are available at engagingmissions.com slash autumnkerr2. That's autumnkerr and then the number two. And I think you're going to want to take the time to check those out. They look great and we continue to work on ways to deliver even more value when you visit the show notes pages. Make sure that you stop by next week. We're going to be hearing from Jim Buckman. We're going to look at some of the ways that he's making significant investments in prayer and in the house church movement, and he's doing some things to help facilitate even more of that. If you want to catch that, you'll want to subscribe to the show by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. That way you can have the show delivered directly to your favorite podcast app, and you'll never miss another episode. And if you do have any feedback or suggestions for the show, please email those to us at feedback at engagingmissions.com. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this, along with show notes, by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes. Audio editing was provided by Jeff Butterworth of Sound Paradigm Studio. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.